Welcome to the More Than Ball Show. It's episode three. I'm Ola. I'm Paige. Hey, it's Shakila. Hey, it's Evian. Hey, it's Eamon. Guys, it's been a week, man. <laughs> it's been an absolute week. And I guess if you're thinking, what can I expect from this show? The headlines, we're going to be talking about LSU versus Iowa and the fallout because that has been absolutely crazy. We're going to talk about draft picks in the WNBA as well. We've got a lot to chat to you about in terms of what's going on in the NBA too. So Eamon's going to be our statistician for that. And there's been some cool things going on in the culture with regards to hoop fix and some screenings as well that we're going to be chatting to you about. But let us get straight into it because I feel like we've all been dying to talk about this. LSU versus Iowa. Like I feel like there's so many ways that we can go with this conversation, but... One of the things that I guess, Paige, we, we talked about was the fact that everything that's happened with the fallout has just meant that we haven't actually talked about the game. Precisely. Like, everyone's just talking about... Everyone's literally just, like, fixated on something that happened 10 seconds to the end of the game mm. instead of the fact how LSU actually won the game and the effort and the belief and, like, what... The coach was saying, like, no one spoke about that, you know? Like, that's not what's hitting the headlines. It's more about Angel Reese is a gangster. Like, that's really yeah. much what it's saying. And I don't know about it. I don't like how the media portrays it, but do we ever like how the me media portrays anything? So, yeah, it's a point. It's a word. So, actually, what were, your, what were your takes on the game? When you watched the game, like, what were the things that you were like? Because I, I watched that game and I, I actually honestly thought that. This is probably one of the most exciting games of basketball yeah. I've ever watched. That was, that was my main take of that game. I was like, yeah. this game is fire end to end, right? I and I think the other thing was that LSU, their teamwork is phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. Every single person on that team was an absolute asset to that game. And you got to understand, they're a new team also. They're not a team that actually got to grow together. They, they've they been together like maybe two years max. And mm. they've come together and glued and puzzled it to, to where they know where the strengths are, where the weaknesses are, and how they can push to win. What was so great is that they believed. And honestly, like I didn't bet on it, but I would have thought Iowa was going to take it away. But do you know what? Coming from an SEC school, I did want LSU to win, but I really thought Iowa was going to... The way Caitlin um, was going on, I really thought, yeah, she was just going to finish it single-handedly. Mm. But they scouted, they did everything that they needed to do, and they came out of the dub. They yeah. got a chip. They had a really good game plan for Caitlin Clark. And they mentioned how they had kind of used that fuel of the disrespect in the previous round against South Carolina and just using that fuel to motivate them against Iowa. So that was really great. And with regards to the media and, and hyping up the back and forth and the trash talking, I definitely think they've been putting it under a microscope, but there's also a lot of microaggressions regarding race that is there's yeah. definitely an underlying tone there too but overall i think it was it's great bad news good news i think this is great for the women's game to have all this attention and spotlight surrounding it because ultimately it was a great performance and a great showcase for women's basketball and great for the sec must I great say. for the sec you know, <laughs> compete in the sec and it's physical, night in and night out. These females, these young females are just showing, you know, what the SEC is made of. 
if you've yeah. got two SEC teams in the in the final four, it should just show you that you know we're the conference not to mess with. I think yeah, it's a very gritty, um, uh, quick pace um, conference, and I think. For me, my shock to the SEC was when I got back down and I thought I could never get back up because <laughs> it was one girl in South Carolina. I was like, oh my gosh, she really took me out. And you know what? Then it was just like, okay, like this is like real life. Like this is actually happening. And this is how girls play. Mm-hmm. And basketball is not soft. And I really don't like how the media is handling it. Um, I think a lot of people got opinions on a situation they don't really understand. And it's just hard because I feel it for Angel because I'm like, this is just basketball. But honestly, I don't think she cares. (laughs) (laughs) It's part of the entertainment. You know, it's part of the the build up. And I think that's why it was so popular as well for people who don't normally watch Mm. women's basketball. They wanted to see that, that entertainment factor and the back and forth and the build up was something that was interesting to a lot of people but that's that's also something that's part of basketball marketing and how a lot of players are now looking at the nil situation because it's it's yeah. it's a whole package i guess with regards to the game the entertainment side of it as well yeah people forget that they're competitors as well and if you play a competitive sport trash talking is in every single sport mm-hmm. whether it's football basketball yeah. anything trash talking is just part of sports so for people to take such a little incident and make it so big, it just shows that they don't watch basketball enough because it's there, it's in the game, it's part of and the game. Trash and trash talking is like how you get hyped also. Mm. So it's like if someone's chatting to your type of way, you're about to get hyped and you're going to talk to them back. It's like how you get on a high and it's how you, you get energy. So when, the, when like referees or like officials like when they take it away it just takes away the whole game yeah this is it i was saying especially in high intensity games like the finals to think that there wouldn't be trash talking mm. is like a crazy assumption because it bought entertainment because yeah. i know when we saw angel reese do the john cena <laughs> you can't see me sign we were all like oh my god like that was like a highlight reel if that makes sense yeah no yeah definitely i also think like the rest were terrible <laughs> like <laughs> on both sides like was, i couldn't yeah. tell you if it was lsu or i on both sides they were terrible and i really felt bad because i'm like they can't even play yeah they really yeah. can't play we entered the fourth, third quarter and knew that the only way that they were going to get through this and the only way that Iowa were going to come back was if they took everything to the line because they just had way mm. too many fouls and it was like, so we already knew, I think by the time we already were in the third quarter, we were already quite clear of how it was going to go because it was like, you can't really bring this back unless Caitlin Clark scores a whole load of threes or you take absolutely everything to the line. It was very entertaining though. Half time they, they were out of the game, but yeah. seeing them come back with that, I think it was like a 15-2 run. Yeah. It was entertaining. Yeah. Shaquilla, tell me about what you think about Caitlin. How do you think her game went? Yeah, so I mean, she, she still did what she does, you know, yeah. coming down the court, pulling threes, but it just wasn't enough. You had you had a player in Jasmine Carson that probably averaged 11 points in the tournament before the championship game, and she stepped up when she needed to step up, when her teammates were in foul trouble, you know, she, her, her name was called and she did what she needed to do. She had 21 points in the first half. She mm. ended up finishing, finishing with 22 points. But I think if it wasn't for her, it would have been a, a completely different, different ball game. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And it just shows that tonight's your night. You just always got to stay ready. And that's what's so beautiful about the sport, you know, because it's like mm. 
you, you actually got to rely on everyone like the the bench players that don't play like you got because you never know like yeah. Shaq said like you never know she probably wasn't expecting to play so much that game and had it not been for her like Shaq said she she held it down like that was solid that was a solid performance from her and yeah, yeah LSU like what a team that's what I'm saying like they all believed do you know what I mean when you believe you don't even care like you're gonna put everything in for god knows how long you're on the court for like you're just gonna do it all yeah. I really loved watching that game. I think I could watch it again and again and Honestly, again. Like it's Honestly. a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. What I loved, what I loved about um, LSU was basically how they, they stood up for their SEC sisters. Yeah. The game before Iowa was playing like a saggy defense, you kind of seen there's a clip of Caitlin Clark fanning her hand yeah. to one yeah. of the players. And she's daring you to shoot, you know. LSU, they stepped up and they, they shot what they did what they could do. And, mm. you know, they got the win out of it. But you know what? I'm not even mad at that antic or those antics because if you can walk the walk, talk the talk, then mm. bring it on. This is it. Mm. Play the role of the hero and the villain. Why not? And no one really pieced it together like that. Like the media didn't piece it together like that. And that's why it's so much controversy. It's like, hello, like look at the whole tournament. Look yeah, how it's gone. Yeah, 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 and let's let's actually talk about that. Let's talk about the drama because I feel like that was exactly my frustration with it as, as well. That like, if we actually think about all the days of it unfolding and it continues to unfold, there's still more drama coming out, and there probably will be tomorrow. But from the very beginning, we were in a position where everyone was just talking about Angel Reese's reaction. No one wanted to put the context of the fact that Caitlin Clark had done it first. Then no one yeah. wanted to put the context on the fact that Caitlin Clark was known for trash talking other people. And then these were like pieces of evidence that were like, I guess, pieces of information that it was sort of, it felt as though people that watched the game were fueling to be like, hello, media, please report on the whole story. Hello. Here's, here's some more context that you've missed and so on. And then you then, and, and I think like as you were watching it, then you, we ended up in this whole situation where because all of the facts weren't shown from the start, we were essentially having a complete race row about how this was being dealt with. And it was just like, I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, this is astonishing. Like, this is astonishing because the root, the root of this is one rule for one, and another rule for another. You know, it was Ola. Everyone was walking around legally blind. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely crazy. But yeah, like in terms of like what you guys have seen on the media and so on, how people like ran to call her classless and so on, and and I guess the race riots that have, or not riots, the race rows that have come from it. What are your thoughts? I just love. I just love the interview that Caitlin did, and I don't want to just make it about Caitlin, but mm. she said they had been doing that. Angel Reese also tweeted they had been doing that when Angel Reese was at Maryland. There's a picture of them two playing against each other, and Angel Reese is still talking trash. So it's been going on. It's in the game. It's it's just you know what females should be able to do. It shouldn't just be on the men's side. Mm. But now it's like all eyes are on LSU in this final. And nobody looked at what Caitlin did in the game, just one game before that. And I wonder if actually, if we're in a world where no one has really taken that much time to watch these games before, and then all of a sudden we've got record-breaking viewership of games. And it's, and it's like, it's sometimes it makes me feel like, even though like people love basketball and stuff and they're watching it because they love basketball and they love watching basketball, but it's like, how much of a fan are you? How much do you pay attention to the female game? Because Angel is like Shahila says, she's been chatting her chat from day one. Do but you know also what I mean? walking her walk. This is it. Like, yeah. just like that. So it's kind of like, how are you going to get mad at someone who's been like this 
from the day she stepped on a basketball court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who and who are you that just recently started watching it to say that she should be to have such strong opinions about her? Like, who are you? It, it's very crazy. I, and I just feel like when when it's someone of color to do something like this, it's so easy to uh, to pin it on their skin tone or or their religion or or anything of the sort. Like, it's the stigma yeah. that correlates with it, and it's kind of like, well, if this person who is not from this color group or per se, how can they get away with it? They're human just like us. Mm, mm. Are we not the same? Are we not playing the same sport? Do you know what? It's just so annoying because you see it over and over again, whether it's in sport, whether it's in society, it doesn't matter. You see it in every single industry. It's like no one can catch a break with it. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely mad to see how quickly we went from talking about her reaction to that meaning that she was classless, that meaning that she was hood and therefore ultimately them using that to talk about her blackness. That's literally the sequence of how we got to the stage where we were talking about white versus black. And then just like you said, everything just continued to fall into the same narrative when all of a sudden you had Joe Biden's wife inviting the team (laughs) that didn't win to the White House as well. And it was like, are you just scared of of having like a load of black women in the White House with you that you needed to bring the white team? When I heard that in my head, I was like, she just doesn't want to be in there with a load of black women. If I bring the white team, maybe that might cool things down. Maybe the cultural cultural, um, capital, it might just be a little bit more comfortable for us all to be in that room together. Because that that was outstanding to me. I just didn't understand the reason. I think we asked our teammate if when she won for South Carolina, if she got invited to the White House and they did, but they didn't go because Trump was there at the time. But it was only them, the winners, who got invited. So we can't say, oh, it's always been the two teams. It's never. It's always just been the winners. But why would you invite the losers? Why would you invite the losers? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It's almost like saying... If Golden State's Warriors won last year and they got invited to the White House, but inviting Celtics as well. Yeah, yeah. We, we shouldn't invite the Celtics just regardless anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, wow. Are you going to let her talk to you like that? Personally, I wouldn't have it. To be honest, we didn't deserve to go to the White House last year anyway. So, At least you can say, you heard it here first, guys. Eamon is actually giving it up. Why would you ever invite the losers? I like part of me is a little bit like, okay, yeah, largest viewership in history and so on. But then invite them a different time. You don't invite yeah, them yeah, the yeah. one time that the winners get to go. It's an insult. They shouldn't get invited, period. They didn't win. And I, I think personally, like Angel Reese, everything that she says, she's backed it and it's been right every single time. Do you know what I mean? And it's a bit like, you thought I was this. And I showed you that I am that. And now you've got a problem with it. Come and see what this woman is doing, disrespecting, because that's the theme. Like the hill that she will die on is disrespect. And she has been that person from the very start. You disrespected another team, I'll do it back to you. You disrespect me by telling me that you're going to bring another team to the White House when it's my trophy, I'll do it back to you. We'll go to the Obamas. And everyone's making it seem like everything she's saying is outlandish. And it's like, nah, you disrespect, she doesn't, play with disrespect. And I actually, honestly, I 100% respect it. I don't feel like there should be any expectation for her at her age to play media scapegoat. She should say whatever the hell she wants and do whatever the hell she wants. I get it, but I do think she does need some PR though. But then does she expect to be this national national scapegoat? As college students, we do get media training and stuff like that. But I mean, that's not going to change who she is and what she's doing. But unless it was agreed upon, like, yeah, we're not going. So she's spoken to her teammates. She's spoken to her coach. She's spoken to the athletic department. 
and it was agreed on that she was the one to put that message out that because obviously like they've come back out and said on the shade room oh like the athletic department have said like regardless of what she says that like that's not true I mean Mm. but that's her I mean if she don't want to go she don't have to and yeah this is why I love her because like she said she said I'm unapologetically me like She's doing what she wants to do. And when we was in college, we mm. couldn't say so many different things. You know, we had to keep our mouth shut. But why? She's yeah. a 20, when you think of it, she's a 21, 22 year old young black female. Why should she receive all this slander and hate towards her, but she can't say anything back? So I honestly don't think there's anything wrong with what she said. Yeah, no, I mean, if you're saying she don't want to go, that's different, but she's speaking for the team and the whole LSU department. So I just feel like if that's agreed on, then sure. But now, because it kind of makes her look, not not silly, but the athletic department have said, well, like, regardless of what she says, that's not how it's going to go. Do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of undermining her. So I feel like yeah, there should yeah. be like more communication instead of her just like putting things out straight away. Because I guess it might be that element of like, I guess so active on social media because she's essentially yeah. responding to every tweet that she's tagged in. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but like, she is basically... I loves it. Honestly, I spent, I spent like, I was supposed to definitely be working. And I think I spent like an hour just scrolling scrolling through all of her quote retweets to be like mm. she's really replying to everyone <laughs> and it's never ending literally never ending I feel like part of it like Paige you are right like realistically she shouldn't communicate things on behalf of the whole team unless that is actually the thing to communicate but I agree with Shaq as well that it's like if it was me and I'm saying for me I'm not going for me I am going to the Obamas <laughs> Yeah, I'll say it with confidence. I'll tweet it and I'll expect the shade room to put it everywhere. But yeah, I shouldn't speak on behalf of the whole team. That one's a bit much. Obama's sitting at home like, uh, guests? <laughs> <laughs> He's about to get his uh, house coat on, innit? Well, yeah, I mean, guys, let us know what you think because um, probably by the time this episode is out, there's still going to be time to comment because more things are going to have happened. Um, so please do share your thoughts on what is going on with LSU and Iowa, how you feel the fallout has been handled and actually how you think the players have handled it by the time this episode actually comes out it will be draft week the mock draft is up Shaq tell me what do you think about Elia being number one Elia Boston sorry let's say her full name give her that respect (laughs) say her name yeah I think she'll definitely be first pick for her to come out she was one of the first people to like declare for the draft and I feel like a lot of people followed behind her all of her seniors they are now entering the draft. But yeah, she's just an amazing player to watch. I've never seen her not work hard. When calls aren't going her way, you know, she's still doing what she does best. Scoring, rebounding, being that great inside player to protect her paint. You know, she just does it all. Yeah, I think she's a great player. And as you said, a lot of players are following her footsteps and that's, that's leadership right there so I think for her like so Indiana Fever got the first pick so I think they'll be in for for a good one because Ellie's going to bring that defensive um standpoint and she's gonna she's gonna do her thing so that's that's really exciting I hope it really works out for her and I'm excited to follow her career that is that's that's a player that has just been great to watch she's you know she's just like a nice nice girl and with her high and how she plays, she's so dominant at it. And she's just been great to watch, to be fair, in college. Diamond Miller. 
Eamon, tell me about her. What do you think, girl? Yeah, so uh, Diamond Miller, she's a guard from Maryland and she took them to the Elite A of the March Madness this year. It was their first time in nearly a decade where they reached this stage and it was all thanks to her. She's six foot three and she has like guard skills but in a forwards body so she's very athletic and she is one to watch and I think the Minnesota Lynx will get a diamond in her. Oh, love that. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. Oh, that was great. No, Diamond is really, really good. She's a sick player, man. I hope she does work on her shot a little bit, her outside shot. She's good inside and everything, but you know, like her outside shot is not really there. And I think if she can get onto that, yeah, that's that's a hell of a player right there. And then we got Jordan Horston for Tennessee guard. And I don't know too much about her, to be fair. So uh, this will be quite interesting. I heard that she's a hell of an athlete. But everyone who goes Tennessee, they're all tall and long and athletic. So they're all athletes. Do you know what I mean? So I don't really know like how she stands out from everyone else. But I'm sure like Dallas is going to like get a treat out of her. I think she's going to be cool. I think the one player that we should all watch out for is Haley Jones of Stanford. She was projected to go number two, but because she hasn't developed a three-point shot in the NCAA while she's been there for four years, she has dropped in all the mock drafts. So she could get picked third, but it is one to watch. She is very talented, a good defensive player, and she might fall after the lottery picks, but she could go higher. So keep an eye out for that one. No, 100%. Okay, so moving on to the NBA. And just last week, the NBA and the NBPA, which is the Players Association, have come together for a new collective bargaining agreement, which should come into effect next season and will last seven years. There are some new rule changes, which include an in-season tournament, which is an attempt to make the regular season more competitive. What it involves is the regular season games will still go on it'll be still be 82 games but some games in the regular season will double up and count as in-season tournament games so nothing really changes from an NBA schedule standpoint it's just that those teams that make it to the finals will only play an extra game so what are your thoughts about the NBA trying to make the regular season more competitive? Do you think it was needed? Are you here for it? Or is it something you think was a pointless addition? Can I ask questions? Go on, yeah. So it's basically like, let's say that you've got somewhere on the roster is like Lakers versus Mavs. And yeah. that, that game essentially counts for two different things is what we're saying. Yeah. I feel like, um, I guess my question is, how does it make it more competitive? Because now there's two things that they're competing for, not only the actual title but I guess another mm-hmm. title I'm with you on that it's it's not like additional games or like a completely different tournament it's still regular season games the only way that they've made it competitive is that there is a $500,000 prize per player um, so okay. players will be making bank especially those on like two-way contracts or minimum minimum contracts so that might be competitive but as a watcher I don't think that's making a difference to me, if that makes sense. Or for the players on 200 million. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Or LeBron yeah. James or Kawhi Leonard. Like, 500k is nothing to them. So, it'll be interesting to see. Same way that, like, uh, let's say you're trying to get... Um, 
what was it? There was one. There was one game that happened recently. I think it was um, a Bucks game, obviously. Um, but they wanted to help. Um, <laughs> we were. It was coming to the end of the game, and I think um, um, Giannis gave himself like a fake rebound so that he'll hit a triple double. Yeah, that was shameful. That was yeah. actually shameful. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm a like, big Giannis fan, but that was shameful. <laughs> so, they didn't um, give it to him, though, did they? No, they didn't give it to him. I'm not actually sure if they gave it to him. They took it back. I guess what, I, what I'm trying to see with that is that, like, if if there is an incentive to like pass players the ball so that they get triple doubles and so on, is there now also an incentive for like maybe players that aren't as like critical or they're not as um, we don't see them as often? to make them shine in these games that actually now means that they get more limelight because just like you said like two 200 mil players aren't going to care but someone that isn't on that is going to care which means we may see the most out of them in that game because why not yeah yeah no i see that too and another way to look at it as well is like those teams that are tanking they have something to play for in the season as well now now they don't need to tank they can tank as long with having the opportunity to win something in a season which yeah. they can't if they want to tank so yeah I think it might push all these players that we don't know about get more limelight so mm. yeah I think it's a double-ended sword at this point I don't know if it's going to be successful but everyone was opposed to the play-ins and look at that the play-ins have made the end of regular season super fun and super enjoyable to watch. So it might not be a bad thing. I really enjoyed the play. Yeah, I guess it can't take away from the game because all we're sitting here thinking is that we don't know as spectators how we're going to enjoy it more. So yeah, I mean, hopefully it only adds to it. Another change that they've made is that they have added new load management provisions, which means in order to qualify for big awards, you have to play minimum 65 games so if you want to win mvp you have to play 65 games or more if you want to win most improved player same applies if you want to be part of the all nba teams the same rule applies it's a way for the nba to stop these big stars from load managing and not playing on back-to-back games what are your thoughts on this ladies do you think it was needed like what is the the term load managing itself like what do they mean by that They mean that basically players that are probably more injury prone, like older, they get to rest on back-to-back games in order to prevent them from sustaining an injury or making an injury worse. So they're just managing the load is in the word. Okay, Um, Okay. no, that makes sense. That makes sense. The problem with this is that NBA and franchises, players that are like, for example, Kawhi Leonard, we all know he is one of the biggest load managers of... Uh, NBA and for for him he sits on back-to-back games which means fans don't buy tickets to games where they know he's going to sit out in one of those back-to-back games which means the NBA and franchises are losing money Um, so it was a way for NBA to be like okay we can't just let these players just sit out because it's affecting them in the grand scheme of things so they've decided that you know if you want to win these awards you can't sit out It's a tricky one, though, because as fans and the media, we judge players based on winning championships and rings. And so in order for them to do that, they need to kind of preserve themselves for those big moments. But in a situation, for instance, with Kawhi, he has had trust issues, essentially, with regards to injuries or misdiagnosis with injuries. And so kind of taking things into an overprotective position 
with load management. And now we're looking at Lonzo Ball, who's been out for a sustained period of time, potentially due to mismanagement of, of an injury. And so it's tricky for the players to be in a position where on one hand you're being judged for having to get a championship, but in order to get the championship, you kind of need to potentially preserve yourself. So which one is it? The media and the fans want players to be available and, and watch games, but also we talk about them and judge them based on rings. Well, some of us do, but... Yeah, no, 100%. And I think we have to remember that these athletes, their body is their what they get paid for. Like, uh, mm. if they're injured, they're going to get dropped out of squads. Like Isaiah Thomas, he, he played through injuries and we saw that like no team is loyal uh the Celtics got rid of him sent him to the Cavs and after that his career went down and it's just the idea of you know these players shouldn't be playing through injuries and they should actually take care of their bodies because that is their talent um mm. and you know we don't want to see these players making their injuries worse like Severian said about Lonzo Ball like we don't even know if he's gonna continue his career with these injuries and it's a sad thing to see so yeah but I think for like when it comes to big awards like the MVP and yeah like rookie of the year and things I think 65 games isn't a lot to ask for though it's 80% of the games and if you want to win these awards it's kind of like you just kind of have to do it I think that's fair. So guys, let us know what you guys think about the load management provisions and if you agree with them. Moving on, we want to talk about the All-NBA teams going positionless. Um, Since 1956, voters have been referring to positions to determine their preferences for the first, second and third All-NBA teams. This involves picking two guards, two forwards and one centre for each team. Now they've decided to go positionless, meaning that For example, for the first All-NBA team, it will be the top five players, no matter if they're all shooting guards, if they're all forwards, if they're all centres. It's just a matter of getting the best players on the first team and giving them the accolades for their season. Do you guys think it was needed? Because I personally think it is about time this came into the NBA. I mean, yeah, I feel like the NBA is a completely different game mm-hmm. where it was before. Like, we're not in the position where positions are as important. <laughs> like, we've seen it. Three-pointers has massively dominated the way the NBA has changed over the last few years. So, yeah, I don't feel like positions are needed anymore. Yeah, no, I agree. And they've been doing this for the all star game as well so I think it's about time they do that for all NBA teams yeah and just the fact that the women NBA brought it in before the NBA so they have been on this before the men's league so shout out to the women NBA for bringing that in earlier but also all NBA teams affect supermax contracts so I think loads of players like for example if you didn't make the all NBA teams it was a matter of you might not be able to bring out the clause in your Supermax extensions, which means they will lose money. So when players' money come into it, I think it's important that we get it right. And the right thing is giving the top 15 players a platform and giving them the awards that they deserve. Let us know what you guys think about all the collective bargaining agreements in the NBA and if you agree with them. But yeah, for now, that's all the NBA news from us. You're up to date. You're up to date, (laughs) exactly. So 
things that were happening in the community this week. Um, so we were really excited to be able to host a Hoops Fix short documentary at the BSTN store, which is a film with Sam Nita from Hoops Fix. It was part of the NBA Films for Fans, a global initiative that engaged filmmakers from 11 countries to develop 24 short documentary films celebrating the NBA and basketball. And this documentary was 10 minutes long and it was a short representation of the Hoops Fix Elite memorable victory over California Basketball Club, also known as Sierra Canyon, which was taking place last summer at the Copper Box Arena. So that was really good to be able to watch that documentary with other people, see the screening and just celebrate the rise of British basketball and what we've got next essentially. So it was great to have that in the space, but also just going forward to having a space where we can have more screenings, more areas for basketball fans to get together, chop it up. And we also watched the March Madness women's final, which was great. And that that was probably the first time I've ever watched March Madness finals with other people. Mm. Normally it's just on a laptop. (laughs) With yeah. a, a, let me just say um, the official links and um, yeah, <laughs> it was great to be able to watch it with people so looking forward to more opportunities to do that going forward yeah definitely I saw your stories and I was I was sitting there thinking that this is giving like world cup final in a pub vibes but more for the community basketball basketball we culture need we need it. yeah I was like we need this like that is that is it, it looks so cool so yeah definitely more of those please and invites definitely 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 you know that was the first one hopefully a lot more going forward and we can be able to open it up for everyone thank you guys for listening we look forward to hearing your opinions in the comments follow us on socials and we look forward to hearing you on the next episode of more than ball